2: One, zero, all engine running. Liftoff.
3: Live from Joe's Bomb's Basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and on today's show, we've got a great crew to discuss. When are you frugal and when are you just downright cheap? I'll have trivia. We'll discuss money headlines and we'll answer a Bloom hotline call from Justin, who wonders where we might gamble on a few high-risk investment dollars. But good news, he isn't asking Joe that question. Helping out on today's show, we welcome from the Financial Grown-Up Podcast, Bobby Rebel, and... From the Afford Anything podcast, Paula Pant. And from, well, here, oh gee But that's not all. Ever wonder about replacing your income stream with your own pension? One group is innovating in that area as we speak. Today we welcome from Blueprint, Lauren Minches. And now, the guy Joe's mom said one day might amount to something. <laughs> Time's a-tickin', buddy. Joe Salcihai
0: Someday maybe, maybe someday Hey everybody, I'm Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter And we're back! It's Friday, you made it through the week And that means we're kicking off your weekend with another edition of the Stacking Benjamin Show And as usual across this card table from me It's the one and only other guy, or as we call him OG It's me, here again how about that? You made it back for a Friday. I pretty much live here, so <laughs> you really it's do. Nice. Mom, Mom always plans dinner for you, which is good. She does. That's it's nice. Cr- chicken card on blue today. I appreciate that. Very nice. Is that what that was? Yes. Yeah. Don't tell her Otherwise I said that. It's
4: known as bacon and chicken. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> With cheese on it, but it sounds so much better than cheesy chicken and bacon, doesn't it? And the person I think of immediately when I think of cheesy chicken and bacon, all in Vegas, from the Ford Anything, Paula Pant. I don't think of any of those things, Paula, when I think of you.
1: Yeah, cheesy chicken and bacon actually sounds pretty good. Let's go I ahead. Got this uh, really excellent uh, limited time, like organic sharp cheddar from Trader Joe's the other day. It's it's insanely good. I'll sometimes I'll, I'll like stand there at the fridge and just like gnaw on a chunk of cheddar.
4: <laughs> Just I do that with those big Hershey kisses that you get for Valentine's Day.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, the person who's the less healthy. big Hershey's kiss on this podcast, I don't know where that's going. She's in Colorado right now. She's the host of the brand new awesome Financial Grown-Up podcast, also the former anchor of Reuters TV. We welcome Bobby Rebel.
5: Oh, thank you, guys. So glad to be here. Well,
0: I'm glad I you had. Like
5: get, am I going to get some recipe tips while I'm here?
0: <laughs> well, that's this is the this is the financial tips and recipe show. <laughs> one of those two might what we might make sense in is probably recipes over the other one. <laughs> so tell me, why do you bring a microphone when you go on vacation to Colorado? Cause when we, okay, when
5: because when we, because because because. I am responsible for this podcast. As you know, it goes out three times a week because I take your advice, which we can talk about in a minute. And what if something goes wrong? I was good. I pre-taped. We're all of, you know, like eight episodes in, but I pre-taped stuff, but stuff happens. What if I have to re-tape something? So I'm, I'm a little paranoid, Joe. What can I say?
0: Paula, she's prepared.
5: I gotta be ready. I gotta be ready. I, and, I, and think, I was and I was waiting by the phone for you to call too.
1: <laughs> right, I bet. I think that's super smart. If you're a podcaster, then you've signed up for a lifetime of carrying a microphone around with you wherever you go.
5: <laughs> right, Paula, do you carry
1: your microphone? I bet you do. Or you I do, know, yeah. Now so you, you, know, you will, yeah. See? me on trips, so, and so and no, what's the few times you? that I have not done that, I have always regretted it. There you go see, I'm learning from the pros, Joe.
0: Bobby, OG, I'm learning. OG just carries his microphone around just just to <laughs> just to show off. He's like, "Hey, get, oh. look at this! Hey, everybody, yeah. check out my microphone." I just want to
4: know how many people listen to the podcast understand what she means when she says I have to tape something. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you like? are scotch tape it? Like, what are, we, what are we doing? What do you mean we have to tape things?
0: <sighs> I say that all the time. Uh, you know what else I say all the time, Bobby?
5: Yes, Joe. <laughs> i feel like joe is waiting for me to give him credit for the inception of this podcast no i say all the it t- was him. I, I know i know you're waiting for me to give you credit
4: joe waits for me to give him credit for the inception of this podcast too i've been this waiting happen. i've
0: been waiting like what six years no
4: i, I Joe
1: said that. he was going to extend me credit
0: <laughs> <laughs> i always say this episode of stacking Bench is brought to you by blue apron Blue Apron ah. A- Yes. Oh,
5: the recipes are coming back. The recipes. Yes.
0: This is what I always say. Remember? Blue Aprons treating Stacky Benjamin's listeners to thirty bucks off your first order if you visit blueapron.com slash SB. So check out this week's menu and get your thirty dollars off with free shipping at BlueApron.com slash X. XB, S-B, (laughs) slash S-B. It's cool. 30 bucks off just because you listened to the show. How about that? And we're also brought to you by magnifymoney.com. You know, the place that you go usually when you're looking for all of your financial tools is that one bank down in the corner why would you do that when you've got this little thing called the interwebs at your fingertips? Well, at magnifymoney.com, over 92% of all the checking accounts, savings accounts, credit card, reward credit cards, consolidation loans, student loan programs, they're all in one place. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash money for more, stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. We're getting ready to roll, guys. we got a great show today. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff, so why don't we get this party started, huh?
6: Hello, darlings. And now, it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamin's Headlines.
0: Our first piece comes to us today from Kong Template. I like that name, Paula, Kong Template.
1: Kong. Uh, Kong template.
0: Kong Template, personal finance blog. This is written by Kong Template, it says, The difference between frugal and cheap. Uh, this would be something great for us to chew on. I remember overhearing a conversation at a restaurant recently when it was something like this. Why do you never want to spend money on me? Because we're broke? No, we're not. You're just being cheap. Actual quote might have been harsher. No, I'm not. I'm I'm being frugal. I mean, everybody's had this conversation, haven't we? Tell me, Paula, that you see yourself as frugal. Do you have friends that see yourself as just damn cheap?
1: You know, first of all, the irony of that introduction is that that conversation happened at a restaurant, <laughs> which, if you were actually, if you were truly broke, you would not be at a restaurant.
0: Right. So the person saying you're broke is a liar.
1: I mean, either that or a terrible manager of money. Yeah, uh, I, I, I shouldn't say terrible. That sounds very judgy, right? Okay, it might be the case that they're broke, and this is the one time every two months that they go to a restaurant. But seriously, somehow, I, I it just it adds a little level of irony to the the introduction of this article.
0: Bobby, where's where's the line here between somebody just being cheap and being frugal?
5: I think it's about you know being selfish versus being generous, and they sort of allude to that. I mean, people that are cheap are, you know, putting things on to other people to pay for them versus if you're frugal, you're kind of, you know, spreading the love and, and trying to help everyone get ahead. So you're giving other people money tips and helping other people. But if you're cheap, you're kind of like, you know, if you're at a restaurant, you're the one that says, oh my gosh, I got an emergency call and you're out of there before the bill comes, that kind of thing. <laughs> That's not cool.
1: That's just not cool. I
0: know that intimately. Oh, t- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh geez. Got to take that one off the list.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Led Penzo actually has an article on his website about the time that he uh, went to a restaurant and didn't have his wallet and figured that out. For real? Oh. Yeah.
5: Well, now you would never go without your phone. And you know there's a million ways to pay on your phone. So that one, tough to work these days. I don't know.
0: I saw somebody yeah. recently do that. They were in line paying, I think, at Target. Realized they forgot their wallet. Signed up for Apple Pay on the spot. In line. By the time they got, a, a, yeah. got to the top of the line. Had their Apple Pay set up, paid normally. It's pretty, Wow. Uh, the, the world we live in, the amazing world we live
5: yeah. in. Uh, it can also be foolish to be cheap also, because sometimes you buy stuff, you're being cheap, you buy crummy stuff, and it just doesn't last. So it's not worth it. It's better to be frugal, buy the really good thing when it's on sale, than just go for junk.
0: It's interesting. Mm-hmm. At, near the top of this piece, it says, it doesn't necessarily mean a cheap person tries to do another person harm, but it can take away from someone else's well-being. Reusing a paper towel does in fact save somebody <laughs> some money. Maybe instead of buying 30 rolls a year, they'd only need to buy 10 since they reuse each paper towel. At less than a dollar a roll, you save around $20 a year with the above estimates on paper towels, but at what cost? If you're reusing paper towels, OG, are you cheap or are you frugal? Uh, you're insane, I think.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I
5: think. I think if your goal is to save $20 a year, you need to up your top line and earn more money. Yeah. There you go. That's
1: what I think. Yeah. 20 bucks th- a year. Come on, people. If the motivation for saving the paper towels is the environment, uh, yes, then I good. think that that's a reasonable approach. If the motivation is money, then there's something wrong here. So it, you could have two cases of the exact same behavior, but based on the motivation, one could be reasonable and the other could be not
5: Yes. And to Paula's point, by the way, there are now towels that are made to be reusable that are, you know, absorbent and then you can wash them. So that is both frugal and good for the environment. Right,
0: Paula? OG calls those his pants. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> he just wipes everything just, on his pants he's a dude just, that's what just we do once a week right? <laughs> I, I really
4: i'm really all about saving the environment i only have to wash my jeans every uh every 10 days <laughs> i think the difference between frugality and cheapness is being intentional or not and bobby you said purchasing something you know waiting for a deal or something like that and being you know intentional about spending that's being frugal being cheap is being sloppy Right, it's uh, like you said, kind of hosing the person next to you, maybe at the dinner table or something like
0: that. I want to talk about three of these concepts that he talks about in this piece that I like a lot. He talks about Whitney talks about frugality. The first one here, Paula, he says is frugality demonstrates patience. I really like that.
1: Oftentimes, if you're at a store, it's it's very tempting to just grab whatever it is that's that you want without like having a waiting period. Uh, that's the most obvious example, but in like other ways if you want to upgrade your phone or your car or your home, even if you want to sell your home and uh, live in somewhere, a bigger place, just delaying that purchase by an additional year or two, making a habit of doing that, that can a allow you to spend more time shopping around to find the best value B, like, let's say that you make a habit of delaying the upgrade of your phone so that you get a new phone every four years instead of every three, right? Doing that consistently over a 20 year time span That adds up. And I think those are examples of frugal patience. And I like this one. sensible frugality.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, I like this one, Bobby, that frugality requires discipline. It does,
5: absolutely. You have to pay attention. I mean, to Paula's point, talking about delaying things. I mean, for example, you can buy a car and you can think about what time of the year you're going to buy it. I believe if you buy it in late August They're coming in with the new models and the dealers want to clear out the lot. So that's a good time because you're getting a model year that's older, but the the car is still the brand new car and you can drive off the lot with a great deal because they're going to be very negotiable just because of the time of year. And because you paid attention to the calendar and it's that way with a lot of big purchases. I mean, even When you're buying a a house, wait till the tail end of that spring selling season. You know, people have to get out. You know, people are going to be a lot more open to an offer that may be lower than they would have been open to earlier in the selling season.
0: Right. Or even in, you know, buy in January when nobody's buying a house. Yeah. yeah, I
5: used to. Whenever I I needed to rent, you go to December. No one's moving in December. At least in right. New York City, that's a really slow month. You can get a really good deal. They want to get people in there. They miss the students coming in, starting the new jobs. September, October, November, December. Great month to move. Wanna, At least it's not a great month to move weather-wise. Right, <laughs> great right. month. Great month to move in terms of getting a deal.
0: You're you're trading you're trading fewer dollars for freezing your butt off. Is what's happening there, right? Our second piece is uh, comes to us from uh, the Reform Broker blog, of course, Joshua Brown's blog. This piece is about uh, private banking, and it's called Private Banker. Uh, Paula, do you mind explaining what this piece is all about for the people at home?
1: Sure. Uh, so he says that a quote-unquote private banker is actually just a fancy way of saying somebody who is going to screw you over, basically, <laughs> by... <laughs> Not being a fiduciary and leading you astray accordingly. Private banker is just a euphemism, like a, a fancy title that has cachet that gratifies people's ego. But at the end of the day, you're still getting a raw deal.
0: But that's the thing, OG. Private banker, though, you know, it sounds so cool. It does sound so awesome. I got a private I'm just gonna banker.
4: Put that on my business card, OG. Private banker. <laughs> just hand those out from now on. It just—it's a conversation starter. Yeah, uh, Josh Brown here is talking about just how useless these titles are. Uh, We had an article a couple of shows ago about how you have to investigate this sort of behavior by your quote-unquote professionals, your advisors. We had that article that Jason Zweig wrote in The Wall Street Journal about the fellow who was getting people speaking engagements, and I'm using air quotes, at Harvard and West Point. But all he was doing was renting a room at Harvard and West Point so that you could put on your website – I'm an advisor who spoke at Harvard, and those are all in air quotes. And we talked Whoa. about how deceptive that was.
5: No, no, Whoa. that makes me so sad. Oh, Isn't that so disgusting? That makes me sad. This
4: is just the same thing, right? I mean, this is now this is at a corporate level, right? And 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 of course, We're
5: salespeople. Uh,
4: J.P. Morgan got fined uh, what three four hundred million dollars for doing this. Basically, they're they're mortgage brokers <laughs> that can sell J.P. Morgan mutual funds. No offense to J.P. Morgan. Uh, you know, but they're called private bankers. So that's cooler.
0: It's funny that he talks a lot, uh, Bobby about cachet, right? About people yeah. buy cachet for everything. So when you go to your yeah. financial services company and they're rolling out the red carpet, this seems like a great thing.
5: Right? So this makes me, first of all, this makes me really sad on so many levels. Well, you know, this, I just became a CFP certified financial Yay. Planner, and a lot of that is you know a lot of what the cfp board does is try to protect people from this because obviously when you know when you're doing financial planning as a cfp you are a fiduciary so people should look for that i mean it's very easy whether it's a cfp or another qualification look for that and ask how they're getting paid and be okay with them getting paid don't go to someone that says it's free cuz nothing <laughs> is free and it should not be free nothing should be free Pay for it, but know how you're paying for that advice. Know where the money's going. You don't want to do business with anyone that doesn't get paid because they won't be solvent. So you need to train yourself to be okay being a customer, being a client. But know where that money's going and understand that. I mean – Fee-only is always a good way to go. Understand that doesn't mean you're paying X dollars. It could be a percentage of something, but it's not a commission where they are incentivized to sell you something that may not be the best fit, putting you first, putting you, the consumer, the client first. And that's, it's just really... It, this just makes me so sad, show. F- it makes me so sad.
0: Yeah, but it's funny, though. Uh, Joshua Brown says here there's a bunch of great advisors out there that aren't fee only, right? That he can point to who do a great job. And, and I think that myself, yeah. I think that there's, there's advisors out there who are, fee, who are everything you're saying, Bobby, they're fee yeah. only, they're certified financial planners, they're fiduciaries. I wouldn't send mom to these idiots. I mean, there are oh, some people I know that are good.
5: Okay, check all those boxes. Everyone is an individual, so you yeah. need to do your homework on who you hire, period, the end. However, as a concept, you need to be okay paying someone and knowing how they're being paid. However, that is, commissions are not bad in and of themselves, as long as you're okay with it and know what it is and ask, you know, are you paid a higher commission for this product versus another? And you may want the product that is a higher commission if that's the best product for you in terms of what you mutually decide, but go in with open eyes. That that's what I care about. Yeah. yeah go nope. in with your eyes open. And make sure they are getting paid in a way you're aware of. Never if someone says I'm not being paid, everything's free, that's the red flag to me.
0: Paula, assuming you agree completely with Bobby's advice, and I think that you do, I've known you long enough, what's the next question you ask after are you fiduciary, how are you paid?
1: Paper or plastic?
0: <laughs> That's the very next question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what if you forget your wallet
5: Neither <laughs> at the restaurant? <laughs> Neither- do one you if- take Apple Pay? What if, you- what, if- what, I if what if you're having dinner with your planner at the restaurant and you forget your wallet? Do you got another question beyond those?
1: Um, all right. So the first two are, are you a fiduciary? How do you get paid? Uh, I think the next question that I would ask, and I'm trying to figure out how to make this concise is I would give them a snapshot of my situation and then just state, look, here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I'm not. You know, if what you're going to do is try to manage my investments and not a whole lot else, then depending on who the individual is, yes, that's something I want, or no, that's not at all something I'm interested in. You know, So if there's a particular aspect of financial planning that you particularly are interested in, like estate planning, for example, tell them that right away. Ask them if they have experience with that. Or conversely, if there's something that you don't want, be upfront about that. Because if they specialize in that and you don't want it, then it's not a good fit.
0: I think I like Paula's point there, OG. I mean, you're working with people as a financial planner every day. The more they give you, the better you can decide if it's a fit too, and the better fit you're going to become. I think the biggest
4: problem is, is that uh, most people don't say what they want, right? Clients don't generally say what they want, and advisors don't say who they can help. And you kind of do this dance and you try to massage it to make it work and fit into your system or something like that. It works a lot better if you're a consumer, if you say, like Paula said, here's what I think I need. Sure. A professional may have a different opinion and say, I can appreciate that you need this, but you also need this. Let me help you with that. But I think advisors get into a lot of trouble, too, because they're not clear with their clients about here's how I'm paid, to Bobby's point. Here's what I do. Here's what I won't do. And when everybody's just open and honest, it goes a lot smoother, I always tell people I've done this 20 years and I've got 25 years to do it. So we're going to talk 50 times about your money. We got to kind of like to hang out to, with one another. If we're going to have 50 conversations, if we don't like it in the first 20 minutes, we're not going to like it when you're 62. Right. So yeah, it, just, it, let's, yeah. let's just be straightforward about it.
5: No, and and Joe, you make a good point. Fiduciary, not fiduciary, however they're paid, it has to be someone good. Just because someone has a certain designation doesn't mean they're good. And one thing that you can look for in someone that is good is someone that will listen to you and then maybe spot the gaps in your financial planning that you're not aware of. So maybe you have life insurance, but you didn't think about the fact that the beneficiaries are minors, so maybe it needs to be in a trust. Maybe there needs to be someone else in charge of it so you don't have your eight-year-old inheriting all this money or something. Someone that can spot those openings and the vulnerability that you wouldn't necessarily know to ask about.
0: Yeah. You want an advisor, not an order taker, right? Even if you say, I don't want this, I I don't want this, I don't want this. I know there were plenty of clients back in the day for me where I said, you know, I'm sorry, that's what you need. And here's the reason why you got to have this, 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 and you're really messing up if you don't do it that way. So right. I like being a little Gordon Ramsay with people when, I'm, when, I'm, uh, when I was an advisor. <laughs>
4: I had that today. I was going to
0: say, uh, oh, gee, slightly Gordon Ramsay with his clients. <laughs> slightly. Right. I make a mean Gordon Ramsay scrambled eggs, though. Mm. Hey, the, uh, let's put a lid on this one. Takeaways, uh, Paula, will start with you. We've got Private Banker, and we've got uh, the King of Kong blog here.
1: <laughs> All right. The key takeaway from the private banker article is that in the world of money management and investing, you don't want fancy. You don't need cachet any more than you need to like shop for socks outside of Target. Like it's just, <laughs> you just don't need it. My dad, by
0: the way, said at one point, he's like, yeah, I'd, I'm not a big fan of that, uh, about of that French company. And I go, that French company, <laughs> what are you talking about? He goes, "You know, Target. I'm like, Dad. People are messing around when they say that they're they're from Minneapolis. No, they're French. I know they're French. It's a French, it's a French company. Okay, Free right. fries. That's right. Right. Uh, uh, o G uh, takeaways.
4: Oh, I've got a really great one. This is an example, and I'm holding a glass of wine, of a cheap bottle of wine. It was not a frugal decision because I'm going to throw the rest of it out.
0: It oh. <laughs> was, was, was not good.
4: There it is. Because it's terrible. So we tried to save money by being cheap, but we weren't smart about it. <laughs> and we we uh, are going to waste a bottle of wine. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to throw a bottle of wine out. That's ridiculous. Uh, being frugal versus being cheap is about intentionality. You tell your money what to do and don't just go out on a whim.
0: Bobby, the last word, key takeaway
5: key takeaway from the uh, fiduciary bank story, JP Morgan, is that banks are fiduciaries to their shareholders, not their clients. People need to keep that in mind and brace yourself because if the market continues to be so rocky as the market pulls back, more of this kind of stuff is going to be revealed because people start paying a lot more attention to things like this when the, when the market goes down and their accounts aren't looking so healthy.
0: It isn't that sad. That's so sad. It is sad. When I first heard about Blueprint, I heard about them from a friend of the show, Michelle Dash, and then a few days later, Paula Pant, by this woman named Jean Chatsky. Don't know if you're familiar with her. I've heard of her. Yeah, once or twice. <laughs> she she may or may not have been on my show. May, may or may not have, of course, on the amazing Afford Anything show. Uh, Jean's, of course, the Today Show money editor. Michelle mentioned they were doing things for the annuity business that were truly disruptive, and today Blueprint doesn't even really talk annuities which I think is awesome. They're talking about what everybody really wants from an annuity, a pension of their own. So I'm super happy today that Laura Minch is joining us from Blueprint. And listen to Lauren's background. She graduated, Bobby, from this little school called Columbia University. I don't know if we have ever heard yeah. of that. Yeah. With I, a, I have heard of it. With a BS in financial engineering. Oh, gee, you and I know a bunch of people. I with feel
5: very impressed. A
0: bunch of BS in financial engineering. <laughs> I, I, have, I have years of
4: BS in financial lot, stuff.
0: Lot, stuff, stuff. Lot a <laughs> lot of people in this industry with a BS. Uh, financial engineering and operations research. And she's an actuary in training, having worked in both life insurance and annuity product lines at a tiny little-known company called New York Life Insurance Company. She became a fellow of the Society of Actuaries in two thousand. 13. Please help us welcome someone who knows way more about both annuities and pensions than most people, Lauren Minches. And Lauren Minches coming down the stairs. How are you? Have a seat.
6: Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, I'm so glad that you would stop by Texarkana to talk pensions with us because that world, it seems, Lauren, is a changing, isn't it?
6: It is changing. I mean, today the word pension feels archaic just in and of itself. Nobody has them. They're for old people. But I'm excited to talk to you about why that's not true.
0: Well, and I want to use, and we'll link to this in our show notes, I want to use a piece that you wrote on your website, BlueprintIncome.com, about this back at the end of January. And the piece is called Private Pension Plans to Replace Defined Benefit Pension. So let's look back because a lot of people don't understand what the issue really is here. Starting off with pensions, where did pensions go off the rails originally?
6: Well, pensions were really the bedrock of the American retirement up until about the 1980s. And that's when we saw the introduction of the 401k, which gave employers another option to provide for their employees for retirement that, along with some other factors, caused the decline of pensions. And so today, when you think about retirement, all you really think about is the 401k or an IRA or some type of savings plan. But why did,
0: why did companies go with the 401k versus a pension? Was it because it, kind of, it was easier to administer? It kind of took the onus off them? Why did they go away?
6: Yeah. So the pension, if you think about what it's providing, it's a steady paycheck for somebody for the rest of their life. And that means that the employer was taking on all these big risks for the employee. So the risk that somebody lives until 100, and that's very expensive because it costs money to live every year, or the risk that the stock market doesn't do well and your investments therefore perform poorly. Those risks were all on the employer in the old system with the pension. But with the 401k, they've actually passed on those risks to the employee. So now the employee just receives money from the employer and it's on them to figure out how to invest it. And it's on, on them to make sure it lasts the rest of their life. Well, and based
0: on these numbers that I have here from you in front of me, the 401k hasn't quite done what we hoped it would have done.
6: No, the 401k, I like to say it makes you pre-retirement rich, but retirement poor because while you're preparing for the retirement, the 401k feels great. You're saving money, you're watching it accumulate, especially when the market is doing well. But once you get to retirement, it is really hard to manage your lifestyle off of this account balance that moves around And that you don't know how to spread over your retirement when your retirement could be 10 years, 20 years, or 30 years. And to be honest, it's a problem that most people haven't really seen quite yet because The 401k is only a couple decades old, which means we don't have many people retiring with just 401ks today.
0: Yeah, it seems like we're just starting to get to that, right? With a lot of baby boomers retiring who finally are a group of people that a bunch of them have only had a 401k. I look at those numbers too, Lauren, though, and maybe part of the reason people are rich is also because we're not really saving into them like we should.
6: That's right. And I think that's partially because you don't know what you're getting when you save into a 401k when you accumulated a pension, it was very clear. I worked this number of years, and as a result, my employer is going to give me this benefit. But with a 401k or any sort of savings plan, it's very abstract because there's such a big gap between I save money and it sits here, and I'm going to use the money, and here's how I'm going to use it, and here's how much I need. And that's why if you look at any retirement calculator today, nobody can actually tell you how much to save. Right, right. There is no specific goal, and without a specific goal... It's really hard to do it, to get going.
0: The interesting thing that you talk about next is that original pensions are based on this idea that really at Blueprint, you guys and other people at the the forefront of this are kind of riffing on this idea, these insurance-backed private pensions. Tell me more about these.
6: Yeah. So in the early days of the pension system, employers were just paying insurance companies to offer pensions to their employees. So the insurance company took on all the risk, made it easy. It was just the employer giving the insurance company money and saying, hey, for all these people, provide them with a paycheck starting at age 65, continuing for life. Over time, the employers decided to manage it themselves for a variety of reasons, which eventually caused the decline in pensions. But the reality is that insurance companies behind the scenes have always been involved with managing risk, whether that's the risk of passing away prematurely or a car accident or a health issue. And one type of risk that they continue to manage is this pension, retirement, longevity market risk where... I need a set amount of money to live for an unknown period of time. What we do at Blueprint Income is take these insurance products, which are known as annuities, and turn them into an account that allows you to put money in, save just like you're saving in your 401k, but instead of Just putting money in the market and hoping for the best, you actually are creating for yourself a pension that's steady, that's guaranteed, that's backed by the insurance companies.
0: But here's what's so exciting about what you guys are doing is, you know, we waited on purpose, I think, for about uh, six minutes to say the word annuity. Right. Because you and I, you and I both know that people are allergic to that word, but that's, that's why this is so explosive is that annuity isn't the problem. The problem is the way a lot of these insurance companies have treated the annuity.
6: That's right. Annuity, the pure word annuity is a fabulous thing. It's an exchange of money from me to the insurance company, where in return, they're going to give me a fixed amount of paycheck for the rest of my life, which is a huge concept. They're taking on, it's sort of the opposite risk of life insurance. Life insurance, the insurance company covers you so that if you pass away prematurely, your family has money to keep living. This is the opposite situation where I could be one of those people that lives till 99 and boy, is that going to be expensive? I'm not prepared for that. Let me pay an insurance company to deal with that for me. That is what an annuity is. Unfortunately, because of the way products get sold and who's selling them over time, some of the products have evolved to be more complicated and some of the sales practices are are not the best out there. What we're trying to do is bring the annuity back to what it was and what it really should be, which is this pure transfer of risk between an individual who doesn't know how to handle the reality of maybe living till 99 and an insurance company who is fully equipped to handle that.
0: And this is what's exciting to me. So tell me about the modern annuity, because the modern annuity that you are talking about in this piece is way, way, way different than people have seen if they went to X insurance company and just looked at their variable annuity. This is a whole different beast you're talking about.
6: Yeah, so the annuity market as it exists today is really for pretty wealthy people with a lot saved who are just about to retire. And that's partially because the products have had high minimums. So if you want to buy an annuity, you're typically doing it with $100,000 at a time, and you have to work with an agent or a broker to do so. And not everyone has an agent or a broker. So, of course, the first thing we're doing is making this accessible online. You don't need to have any type of personal relationships to, to have access You can just come to our website and sign up for an account. And we're making it more accessible because instead of doing it with $100,000, why not start when you're 35 years old with a few thousand dollars and contribute a little bit over time? The other thing that we're doing is allowing you to have access to multiple insurance companies, annuities all at once. I think this Um, is... is
0: I think this for a guy that used to work in the industry, this is might not be exciting to people listening, but this is where I nerd out and I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever.
6: Yeah, everyone loves Amazon, right? And it's because you can see all these products one after the other, and you have your choice, and you can compare quality and you can compare price, and it's very easy to check out. It takes you two minutes versus what it used to be like to shop for things. And it's the same concept here. If you can see all of the different annuities from all the different insurance companies, their price, their rating, it's much easier to make a decision. You, you certainly feel well informed and like you're getting a good deal because you have everything in front of you. Um, so when we set people up with these accounts, the personal pensions, it's often optimized so that every time they put in money, they're getting the best price that's out there, whether that's with this insurance company or another insurance company.
0: When you were upstairs talking to mom, we were talking about your background a little bit and you as an actuary, which uh, by the way, sounds like the funnest thing ever. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of joking, but I'm sure actuaries like must have some awesome jokes and you guys probably (laughs) have some great parties. But seriously, this idea, Lauren, of of longevity is a huge issue in financial planning right now that you look at some of the top CFPs in the world, they're talking about what if you outlive your money and this is an, an income stream you can't outlive.
6: Yeah, that's exactly the point. You know, we work with a lot of clients and some of them are are well off. And what's ironic is that even the people who have a really decent amount of money to live off of in retirement are scared to spend it because every dollar that they spend in their seventies is a dollar less for them in their eighties. And so how do you decide how much to spend? So it is a real risk and knowing that no matter how long you live, you're going to have this source of income makes a really big difference for how you feel in retirement on a day-to-day basis and what you're willing to spend money on Like, Can you, or can you not take that vacation? Well, depends if taking that vacation is going to cost you something in the future. It doesn't if you're taking that vacation because of some income that you're getting from an insurance company every single month.
0: Yeah. yeah, Powerful. And like you said, it's something now we can budget in retirement. We don't have to worry about what if the market conditions change. Well, well you kind of do. People have this one question, which is your annuity company goes under, right? The life insurance company that you hand over this risk to goes under. In practice, what happens if that happens?
6: It's extremely rare that that would happen to one of the companies that we work with. We yeah. have a cutoff at ratings, so we only work with insurance companies who have a rating of A or higher. But if something were to happen to any of these insurance companies, there are guarantee funds at the state level. Basically all the insurance companies contribute money altogether. So that if something happens to any one of them, the others chip in to make the annuity policyholders whole Yeah, or whole up to a certain level. Well, and
0: I was also going to point to in the fact I've seen other insurance companies step in and buy the book of business. I mean, you see companies broker that out to maybe a stronger company if something happens in the future.
6: That's true. That's absolutely right. And, And also, you know, There's nothing in life that's fully guaranteed. I like to say this is as guaranteed as it gets, because if you think about it, if you're comparing this to putting money in the stock market, the chance that your stock performs poorly is far higher than the chance that something bad happens to one of these insurance companies. I mean, some of our partners are rated at the same level as the U.S. government.
0: Right. I think that's a great place to to leave it. People find out more at uh, blueprintincome.com.
6: Yes. And uh, we actually have a guide uh, that we're providing to all of your listeners for free if they're interested in getting it. So um, they can find that at BlueprintIncome.com slash Ben.
0: Awesome. Slash Ben as in Ben.
6: Ben, as in Ben, just keeping it. <laughs> Blueprint income is already a mouthful, so I figured right. might as well keep the, what follows as short as possible.
0: That's always awesome. And if you're walking the dog or if you're out on your morning run or going to or from work, we'll uh, have that on our show notes page at stackybedjamins.com. Lauren, it's always great to catch up with you guys. I'm so excited about what you're doing. Congratulations on all the work so far.
6: Thanks, Joe. Great to speak with you.
3: Hey, trivia fans, I just checked the calendar and today
6: is National Panic
3: Day. You know how Joe and OG always tell you, don't panic. Turns out that must be because there's an official day. Well, let's not panic just yet because old Doug's going to serve up today's amazing trivia. Here's the trivia question. On today's date in 1959, Mattel delivered to the world a toy icon that still dominates the industry. What's that toy? I'll be back with the answer and more about this whole panic day situation in just a moment.
0: Hey, stackers, we get used to those same daily routines, don't we? Wake up at the same time every morning, brush our teeth, park the car in the same spot at work every day, recite jokes in the mirror to be funnier than that jerk of the water cooler. Or is that with just me? Here's one thing you shouldn't make routine using the same credit card from the same bank, just because that's what you've always done. Nick Clements from magnify money explains why.
4: I mean, it's never been a better time, honestly, to find a credit card, especially given the lucrative sign on bonuses that are out there. Chase just recently had a hundred thousand on their reserve card. I, I think we're at a point right now where. Credit cards are extremely profitable for large banks, and they are really wanting to get more customers, and so they're, they're rolling out the red carpet. So I would just say, if, if you have had a credit card for more than two or three years, chances are there's a much better deal out there for you today.
0: So why stick with that same old card with those rewards that haven't changed in years? You can use magnifymoney.com to always find best in class, including better interest rates. And don't only use Magnify Money for credit cards. Nick and the team have built the site from the ground up to help with personal loans, student loans, and mortgages. Average person saves $450 in interest when they hit com forward slash magnifymoney. This episode of Stacky Benjamins brought to you by Blue Apron a better way to cook. Blue Apron is the leading meal kit delivery service in the U.S., and while many people know what Blue Apron does, they don't know about the types of meals you eat when you cook a Blue Apron, like strip steaks with potatoes and spicy maple collard greens. I shouldn't do these when I'm hungry, OG. A steakhouse-inspired favorite with a delicious twist, chili-infused maple syrup with incredible ingredients and chef-designed recipes. Blue Apron lets you see what the power of food can do. Blue Apron delivers fresh pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step recipes right to your door that can be cooked in under 45 minutes. The menu changes every week based on what's in season and is designed by Blue Apron's in-house culinary team. Blue Apron offers 12 new recipes each week and customers can pick two, three, or four recipes based on what best fits their schedule. Blue Apron, of course, sends only non-GMO ingredients and meat with no added hormones. Meals coming up for me... Listen to these ones, guys. Middle Eastern baked chicken and rice with chickpeas and yogurt. Steaks and cheesy mashed potatoes with steak sauce and roasted carrots. I can't wait for that one. Spicy pork and Korean rice cakes with bok choy. Different stuff every night. Lots of fun. Blue Apron is treating Stacky Benjamins listeners to 30 bucks off your first order if you visit blueapron.com slash SB. So check out this week's menu and get your $30 off at blueapron.com slash SB. Blue Apron, a better way to cook.
3: Hey, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And before we get to your trivia answer, I got to say, I got some serious questions about National Panic Day. Is there a specific time we're supposed to panic or is it like all day? Do we panic about something in particular or we just go off on everything? What? All right, fine. Like Joe's mom always says, show must go on. Here's today's trivia answer. Actually, let me back up. I'll give you the question again. The question was, on today's date in 1959, Mattel delivered to the world a toy icon that still dominates the industry. What's that toy? If you answered GI Joe, oh man, that dude had some serious Kung Fu grip. You would have been wrong. If instead you answered Barbie, you'd be correct. All right. That's one question answered, but there are way, way more questions. I got about this national panic day. Like if we have questions, is there a panic line I can call? What's what am I? What, what's this thing I've heard about a panic room? Oh my God! There's so many. How much panic is too much? It's crazy out here, people. Up is down, down is up. Cats are living with dogs. The Patriots lost the Super Bowl. What are we gonna do? Oh
0: my God! Paula, you were so close.
1: You know what? I'm panicked that I might not be panicking enough. <laughs> That's
0: right. I've, my blood pressure's up listening to Doug. Holy cow. Uh, so, but that was an educated guess with uh, G.I. Joe. That was pretty good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I uh, can't believe that I knew that G.I. Joe is a Mattel product.
0: Did you... Bobby Rebel, <laughs> did you have a Barbie? Because you got it right.
5: I did. Well, and, and of course, you know, my, Bobby is short for Barbara. And growing up, sometimes I was called Barbie. And I had a lot of Barbie dolls. People gave me Barbie dolls for a lot of birthdays. I had a Barbie doll. All, I had I had it all.
0: You had Barbie's dream I had house?
5: I had everything.
0: Did, did you had the sports car?
5: Everything. Yep, I got it all. But it's interesting, because you can tell your insecurity, because I said Barbie, and then Paula said G.I. Joe, and I was like, ooh, I think she's right. Oh, G.I. Joe sounded
1: fierce, you know? So I, when I was a kid, somebody made me an, an Indian Barbie. So they took the normal Barbie, they dyed her hair black, they took her clothes off, the, her normal clothes off her, and they made a little, like, sari and put that on her. Oh, so I, I had Indian so nice. Barbies. I love that.
0: Indian Barbie, yeah. that's awesome. I bet there really is an Indian Barbie now. There's got to
1: be. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I haven't checked I for one. So. Defi- I mean, I'm sure there's no Nepalese Barbie. That would be a little bit too much. No, it's just... Probably, maybe. I don't know.
0: I can imagine Nepalese Barbie, like the other Barbies are like this tall and that Barbie's like a third shorter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If, uh, sometimes when I want to know what the, the rest of the world thinks of Nepalese people, I, I make the poor decision to Google why are Nepalese people so and then see what Google autofills. <laughs> really? And, oh. uh, and the number Ooh. one, uh, the number one piece of feed. The number one search result is why are Nepalese people so short?
0: Yeah. But well, and that's the thing. My friend, Chris, who's climbed Mount Everest twice when he flew uh-huh. into Kathmandu, it's the first thing he noticed. He's like, <laughs> I could always see where I was going no matter, no matter where I was. There were a few people of Nepalese descent that were, you know, tall or as tall as him or taller, but he was, he, he definitely felt super tall. So. Wow,
1: yeah, I'm 5'1", and within my family, I'm one of the tallest females. Uh oh, 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 looks like somebody oh, needs oh, help.
0: Oh. All three of those O's are sponsored by Bloom, but, or as Len would say, and he's not here Bloom, smart, simple 401k management. Well, you know, if you've got a 401k, you know how frustrating it is to decide what to invest in without professional help. Now there's a better way to grow your 401k Bloom with three O's is a simple, smart, and affordable way to grow your 401. Head online to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Bloom to find out more. With Bloom, you can simply connect your existing 401k in a few easy steps. Sit back and relax while Bloom performs an unbiased analysis of the funds in your account and chooses the best mix to match your goals while minimizing hidden investment fees. Bloom's so simple. In fact, the hardest part about this is remembering there's three O's in Bloom. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Bloom and enter enter the way too easy promo code Stacky forward slash SB. Once again, according to Len, way, way, way too easy uh, for your first month free and see the difference Bloom could make in your retirement. Today, we're going to throw out the Bloom hotline to our new friend, Justin. Say hi, Justin. Good afternoon,
2: Joe and OG. This is Justin from the great state of Michigan. I've been listening for about a year now. I haven't learned anything yet, but I keep listening, thinking that maybe this next episode will be the one. I've added money in the morning to my podcast list, hoping to double my chances of catching that episode where I do learn something. Anyway, I'm a 37-year-old husband of one and father of four. We max out our 401k and my Roth IRA as well as my wife's IRA. She's a stay-at-home mom. We throw about $5,000 a year into 529 plans and about the same into a brokerage account every year. The only debt we have is our house, which we owe about 212000 on. It has a Zestimate of about 500000 My question today is in regards to the chat you had with Michelle Kagan last week. It was mentioned that putting money into a high-risk or speculative investment would be just as much fun as buying a lottery ticket, but with a greater possibility of an actual return. I don't buy lottery tickets, but the idea of putting some money into a speculative or high-risk investment sparked my interest. If I wanted to throw a few bucks every month into this area, where should I look? Again, this is not part of our investment or retirement plan. We would not alter what we are currently investing we just use some fun money for it. Thank you both.
0: Bye. Thanks for the question, Justin. You know, it's funny. He said uh, husband of one and what father of four. What if he had said like husband of five?
1: <laughs> that would have been way... Husband of four and father of one. <laughs>
0: right. Way more interesting radio wow. that way. Yeah. Uh, uh, so he's asking us. So he told us a little bit about himself just so we knew where he was at financially a little bit. If you were going to do something a little bit crazy and speculative where would you go let's start with let's start with o g this time. We haven't started with o g yet on a question how where would you go, man? Oh jeez.
4: I was going to wait for everybody else to pick something, and I was going to
0: pick something more profound. but uh... and actually, for those people that didn't hear the Michelle Kagan interview, what she said was a lot of people waste money on lottery tickets. If you feel yourself going to spend money on lottery tickets, you're trying to break that habit, instead take the same money you were going to put into lottery tickets and put it into a speculative investment because at least at least no matter what, you'd you know have a shot of maybe doing something instead blackjack. of blackjack.
4: <laughs> Which is a way more fun game than
0: lottery tickets. <laughs> right, deal. What's your... What, what, Wait,
5: but if you're going to do that, you have to go to crafts because that's the better odds, right? They, I, you should know that, Paula Pant in Vegas.
1: I don't gamble, but I was going to say you could start a podcast because that's pretty <laughs> speculative. <laughs> that's a good, There it is. There's yeah. a... Yeah. What I what, go with? Oh, sorry. No. What
0: takes a lot of equipment oh. and uh, flushes a lot of money down the drain? Yeah, Bobby. Great. It's gonna. Oh, go. you have a Bitcoin. new podcast.
5: Bitcoin, <laughs> baby. Bitcoin. Is that that's where you're? Occur buy on the dip.
0: Big old dip since December, hasn't there been?
5: Yep. Uh, Buying opportunity. Uh,
0: Bobby, seriously, is that where you're going? Where are you going that's with your where spec? I'm going. That is where you're going with I, your spec? I'm I
5: personally not, but that's that's if you you want it instead of a lottery ticket, sure.
0: So if you're Justin, take that extra money and you'd say go with Bitcoin.
5: Yeah, because you might do. I don't know. People have made money and it's, you know, we're comparing, we're, we're basically, you know, looking for, we're offering blackjack from OG, you know? (laughs) So if that's where we're coming from, I mean, you know, yeah, I, I, I think Bitcoin Bitcoin over
0: blackjack
4: asymmetric risk, right? You're looking for like, I don't care if I lose this $200, but I'm really cool with it turning into 200,000.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What's the
4: investment? OG? I'm kind of there. I'm. If I was going to do an investment, I would do that. What the heck, you know, throw a couple hundred bucks at these, sell these uh, crypto things. Why not? I would do something completely different though. I would, I would actually do something with the money. Like I would rather take the kids to Disney world, right? That's not going to return any capital other than like kind of family time. I would much rather do that. I would, you know, buy a new golf club or, you know, provide some utility for yourself as opposed to, you know, if you're on track for the rest of your goals, sometimes we see this and it's obnoxious, right? You get, well, you're on track for your financial goals and, but I still need to save all this extra money. It's like, well, but you can do a little bit now, you know, do something for a charity that you care about, do something for a family member that you care about. I would rather do that than just blow it on uh, Bitcoin or blackjack. Although a trip to Vegas is kind of fun. Well,
0: but but if you were going to put it in an investment, let's just take so, his. But, so so I can't do anything
4: normal with it. The most aggressive thing that I could think of. What about like a, like a buddy startup or something? How about like lending your lending your sibling? I've done this recently. <laughs> Lend your siblings money to pay off their credit cards at a better interest rate <laughs> than. The credit cards charging them, but better interest than you're getting in the bank. It's just as risky as Bitcoin because they might not pay you back. But if they do, you're getting like twenty percent because they're being charged twenty nine. So you're like, "Hey, have I got a deal for you?"
0: Everybody wins. Make money off the relatives. Beat that, Paula. Ooh,
1: I have. I have so uh, unfortunately excited. loaned money to people that I have never ever seen again. Yeah. Uh you've never seen the people you've never seen the
0: people, you've you've never seen the money.
1: I've never seen the money again. Yes. Oh, yes. you've uh, seen it. It's
4: just been not in your pocket. It's been on yeah. new cars and like, hey, check out this cool trip we went on. You're like, yeah, yeah
1: exactly. I'm always a little bit mad at them. Like every time I see them spending, I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Why aren't you paying me back?
0: Yeah. Isn't that crazy how the priorities have changed? But Paula, Hi. what's your investment? I-
1: in terms of a purely speculative investment, I would do one of two things. I would either go into individual stocks, uh, get an account with like Robinhood or Loyal 3, one of those companies that allows you to buy individual stocks without paying any fees, and then uh, pick whatever individual stocks strike your fancy and throw some money at that. I think um, I think he's very seriously asking, if it were you, which one would you pick? Oh, well, okay. So I, I do do that. Uh, I've, I've got a Robinhood account. I've got like... I've got about five grand in there and yeah, I just kind of spread it around among various individual stocks, which is not a strategy that I believe in, but Hey, it's fun. But so you're, you're not going to give us a name, are you? Oh, you mean which stocks? Yes. No, no, no.
0: Just one. If you were going to pick one stock right now, that's throwing long, which one would you throw long on right now? So, marathon oil. Marathon. You said that before. See, I thought I know, you were going to yeah. say marathon oil. Yeah.
1: Marathon oil. Ticker, yeah. Tick, ticker symbol
0: MRO. Bobby, would you stick with Bitcoin?
5: Yes, I would stick with Bitcoin.
0: Okay. And it, you know what i do? I like these sector bets. I really like if you're playing around, like pick a sector. There's a little less risk there. It's probably less risk, Justin, than you're asking us for. But, um, but, but I like a water-based ETF. I like all this news about stuff that's going on with water. I find it interesting. I think loading up on water is a uh, something I would do. That's not and it's
4: healthy.
0: Yeah. None of that is Although, advice.
5: Oh, with Bitcoin, there are now ETFs. So I might look into that. Look into oh, yeah, an ETF yeah. With Bitcoins, maybe maybe uh, modify the risk a little bit
0: like a crypto ETF. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh,
0: thanks for your help on that, everybody. That was that was fun. That's all. That was all over the place. Uh, okay. We also get letters down here in the basement. Uh, Doug just brought this down. And man, did he run down and run back up? He's really worried about panic day. Leo asks, hey, Joe and OG, Doug's my favorite. (laughs) Just had to make that clear immediately. (laughs) Doug's my favorite. Okay, thank you. That's all Leo writes. No. Uh, Leo says, anyways, every good financial advisor says to max your 401k up to the company match first, and I agree. Yet so many people do not do this, and some may argue that they don't need to plan for retirement. However, wouldn't it make sense to contribute to the 401k to get the company match, and then withdraw the year after and pay the tax penalties? Any company match greater than the stock market, 7 to 10%, would be better than investing in the stock market, right? Guaranteed money please agree or else I told my friend the wrong information. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, Bobby, did Leo give his uh, friend good or bad information when he said he, if he's not going to save retirement, at least get in, get the match, and then rip all the money back out?
5: I'm just going to reject that and just say, stop there. Yes, save for retirement. And maybe if you're worried about penalties and taxes and stuff, see if your company has a Roth 401k, because that's a thing now. But I'm just not even going to acknowledge the not saving for retirement. We're just we're just gonna <laughs> dial it back, and just tell him to start over. But Paula, reset, re, what's at the reset button?
0: Yeah, hit that 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 big uh, that big red button. Uh, we should have one of those big red buttons to press. Uh, Paula, though, this idea of put the money in and just take it out a year later. He says that the hey, that's free money and it's less than the tax penalties. Is that correct?
1: Well, I mean, while I also disagree with the premise of the question, that's actually a pretty good plan. Certainly, if, if you can get an employer match and if there's like no vesting period for the match, meaning you have the ability to take it out after a year and keep that full employer match, I guess the short answer is run a spreadsheet on it because part of it depends on how big of an employer match you get. But yeah, if you throw in $1,000, your employer throws in an additional 1000 then you have 2000 you pay a 10% penalty on the 2000 that's 200 that seems like that would that math would work out. Can I just point something
5: out though? When you pull money out of a 401k, you lose a lot of protections as well. So that should be taken into account that money in a 401k, this is my nerdy CFP coming in, is protected because of the kind of, of the structure of the plan. And so I do think that's something that people should be aware of and, and be thoughtful of when they pull money out of 401ks. Just think, Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a random that's, that's a the, random the point. But, of the question. You know. I absolutely think he should be saving for retirement. But as a as an academic hypothetical, it does make sense.
4: I just don't think it's possible. There's so few 401k plans that allow you to do in-service withdrawals out of them that uh, it's, it's unlikely to even be an option in that plan. And certainly most of the in-service withdrawal plan options are post 59 and a half anyway. So I don't think you'd be successful. I don't think you could even call up the 401k people and say, S- you know, I changed my mind, send me a check. They'd go, too bad.
0: And is the vesting usually only a year on, on company match? It really depends on company.
4: It's company specific, right? It depends on how yeah. they are, are uh, adhering to different safe harbor rules and stuff. Uh,
0: so, so does anybody think Leo gave his buddy good advice?
4: <laughs> I think. No. Uh, I think Leo needs to take his buddy out for a, a couple of pops and go. Hey, dude, I think I. I think I screwed the pooch on this one.
5: <laughs> yeah. And if, if you want to do something sort of uh, silly and risky, you could take a loan out from your own 401k, pay yourself interest and try to make more money in the market if you want. I mean, I would oh. definitely not advise that, <laughs> right. but you wouldn't, in theory, you could avoid some penalty stuff, but that's also bad, but it's less bad.
0: Bobby's Bobby's giving Leo other bad advice that is less bad than the bad advice. is also bad, but but it's not as bad as yours.
5: (laughs) It's not my advice. I'm just putting it out there as less bad.
0: (laughs) Use it to apply leverage. Oh, that's great. Hey, thanks for the letters, everybody. If you've got a letter for us, you'd like to get in touch with us, head to stackybenjamins.com and right at the top of the website, it says questions and just click that button and you'll see all the ways you can interface with us. That's going to do it for today. Let's find out what's happening where you kids all play. Paula Pant, what's going on at that crazy Afford Anything?
1: So I've done the unthinkable, which is that after many, many months, I've finally published a blog post. What is up with that? Uh, I know, right? Who does that? If you head to affordanything.com, you can check out. It's a very detailed blog post about eight money myths that are holding you back. It's pretty developed out. I have YouTube videos that support you know, various myths that I talk about. So yeah, just check it out for a full multimedia experience. Is, is, also on the Afford Anything podcast, we've got interviews with uh Wade Fow, Dr. Wade Fow, the retirement researcher, as well as Liz from Frugal Woods and
0: Farnoosh Tarabi. Awesome. Cool. Good stuff. And that's at Afford Anything where finer podcasts are listened to. Oh, <laughs> uh, gee, <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? I was going
4: to say, I think most of Paula's Instagram posts are like blog posts these days so I, I don't think I think I don't think you're 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 missing the blog posting I think you just put it
0: on Instagram right
1: I I do yeah I, I think of Instagram as like a, a micro blog a micro blog, yeah yeah Instagram. it's my daily microblog yes, I, I think as Instagram
0: uh, is the thing where every day I go oh crap I forgot to do that
4: I look at I look at Instagram and go look at all the cool stuff other people have it's a it's a very slippery thing I found. S- slippery uh,
0: instagram slope yeah it sure is uh
4: like people going snow skiing in the middle of february and you're so jealous um
5: <laughs> but it's my, cold it's so cold here it's three it's, below it feels like three below on the mountain so
4: okay all right a lot of sympathy what's going on uh you know we're just keeping on keeping on podcasting away anything cool coming up you tell me i <laughs> don't I I just work here, dude.
0: I don't know why I even ask you. We we get the same answer every single time. Bobby Rubell, thanks for hanging out with us again.
5: Thank you for having me.
0: I'm so impressed you came back. I thought... I, thought there, I was like, It's like, really? you know,
5: like Saturday Night Live when they want to get the five appearance. I'm going for five. I think I'm on three. You are on point.
0: three. So, You're big yeah, three. I'm on
5: three. So we're working up there. Here it comes. And I scored a really big interview on the Financial Grown-Up Podcast.
0: That's what I want to today. talk about. So tell everybody about the Financial Grown-Up Podcast because it's really cool. I mean, even just conceptually, tell people about what you're doing.
5: Well, so first of all, we all, earlier, we, I, I was going to give you credit because it was almost a year ago that you came up to me. We were together in New York city and you said, Bobby, you need to do a financial up podcast. And I said, that is never going to happen, Joe.
0: <laughs> you did like, and, and you said it very definitively and very quickly, you, very, right? very quickly. Yes, I do remember that. I mean, it, it was not going to happen
5: it was not happening but you know I, I came around i thought okay it took me almost a year to take your advice but i did it because today on the podcast i have joe Salcihai, high my biggest interview yet so i'm excited Brilliant. for everyone when they're done when they're done listening to this to come on over and listen to uh, to you because it's a innovative format and we basically get people to talk about very personal money moments so if you want to hear joe Salcihai's high's Financial Grown Up Money Moment and his brilliant, insightful lessons that he will share. You gotta tune in. But- and I have other, other guests, by the way, um, have included Kevin O'Leary, the great far news David Bach, lots of other great people coming up. So I'm really excited. And I and I do want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, Joe, because you've been such a supporter and you really were the first person that said to me you need to do a podcast. And I waited till it was the right So I came up with the right format, because, you know, it's got to be good. I mean, I got to compete with you guys. You know, I got it. You guys put a really high bar out there and um, afford anything and stacking benjamins. I mean, just to be out there with you guys, I had to be good. And um, it took a while to come up with a concept, but I love it. And I hope people really enjoy it.
0: Well, thank you very much, and I'm so glad that you did it, and I'm glad you have a show where people actually learn something. It makes up for all this waste of time.
5: <laughs> yeah, I had to go become a CFP first That's before right. I could do it. Well, and it does so it, I can that... actually say something intelligent. But yes,
0: it's so congruent with your brand, and if people want a preview of what I'm going to say on Bobby's show, you know, she talks about my financial grown-up moment, and I just said I'm still waiting for it. I hope someday,
1: someday, someday I get that <laughs> version. Oh no, <there>. oh, no.
0: <laughs>
5: right. we're going to get it out of you.
0: Oh boy. Thanks everybody for listening. All right, Dave. All right, Dave. What the, where the hell did that come from? Uh, who's Dave. All right, Dave. Has he been replaced? I guess.
4: As Doug should be really panicking now. Doug, replace him with Dave.
0: Doug's like, who's Dave? What's who's his name? Dave? Dave um, <laughs> all right, Doug. Where do we go from here? What should we have learned today, man? We got
3: total mayhem, and you want me to focus on what people should have learned from this show? Yeah. Sure, Joe. Way to have your head in the sand. All right, I'll give it a shot. First, have an advisor that's a great person but paid in a way you don't like. Maybe they are worth keeping in your corner, but remember, there's a wide field of advisors out there paid in a way congruent with client goals. Second, looking for an annuity? How about a private pension instead? Maybe that's a better option in all of our futures. But the big lesson? Don't wait for National Panic Day to panic! Go ahead and do it now. Really, there, there's like no specified time or place. There's no websites. It's completely a disaster. Everything's going down. Nothing makes sense anymore. Ari Leyendyke is on The Bachelor. I saw four guys riding horses down the street. There's raptors in the backyard. Special thanks to Bobby Rebel for joining us on today's show. You'll find her Financial Grown-Up podcast wherever you're listening to us. Thanks to Joe's mom for explaining, I don't need to panic about National Panic Day. There's already enough panic on days whenever we run out of milk to go with the cookies down here in the basement. We don't need any more drama. Jeez, you people got a little carried away. Take a chill pill. Wow, some people. This show was created by Joe Salcihi, produced by Richie Rudder-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at... At S. Benjamin's Cast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just noticed it's just as dark and damp down here as Joe's soul. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks. But like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor.
0: Welcome to the after show, the part of the show that doesn't exist. The rules, if you're new to this party, is what, uh, did I say the rules is?
4: The,
1: yes, you did. Yes. The rules is. The B
0: rules, the rules. is. <laughs> the B rules is. Therefore, they're thereunto pertaining. <laughs> what happens in the after show stays in the after show, so we don't talk about it. So, um, Bobby, did you know that? Did you know what's, what happens here stays here? I did. So, I
5: did. I, I have listened to the after show.
0: We cannot talk about it. But we can talk about this question. You, you I, want, I would love for you to yes. tell this story yes. about your entrepreneurial son. This is pretty awesome stuff. Oh, my
5: goodness. Oh, gosh. So, you know, I used to get all worried when I was a reporter at, at Reuters and I would go to E3 and there were all these shoot up video games. My kid, of course, he's my kid. What do I catch him playing? He's playing adventure capitalist. And I ask little Harry, 10-year-old he's Harry, so what are you playing? He's like, mom, I'm busy. I got I got 10 businesses. I got a lemonade stand. I got a newspaper delivery business. I got a pizza business. I'm hiring more managers so I can outsource. And I'm busy talking to my angel investors. I kid you not. You have angel <laughs> investors.
0: All and true. And, he, so awesome. and, he, and he's 10 years old. And this is, is his. 10. this is what he does for fun.
5: This is what he does for fun with with his cousin, Asher. Yes.
0: You got to tell that to Kevin O'Leary. I'd love to hear <laughs> what Kevin O'Leary thinks about that.
5: He would love it.
0: Absolutely. Love it. Absolutely. I need it's your awesome. kid to rub off on my kid because oh, my no. kid's up
4: there uh, doing the shoot uh, shoot 'em up video games with his, all of his buddies. Although the other one, uh, my my eight-year-old, uh, he started a t-shirt making business. He's in nice. third grade. Yep. Yep. And he has an employee. He pays her a dollar a t-shirt and, uh, and he charges two bucks. So... He figured out day two that he doesn't have to do any work. He's like, well, I don't have to make any, Dad, because, you know, she's making them all. I said, well, you better pull your own weight there, son, because she's going to figure out really quickly that she could charge two bucks, you know, or three bucks on your T-shirts, you know. So
0: so he pays her a dollar a T-shirt. And sells them for two bucks. And, yep. and,
4: and how old is she? Same grade, third grade. Okay. They make custom, custom T-shirts. They get white t-shirts and then they, you can order what you want drawn on them and then they draw them.
0: I'm just thinking, Paula, it's kind of like those, those horror stories you see, but where this, this kid's got this like sweatshop of third graders.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What's the, where do they get the t-shirts from? What's the underlying cost of the shirt itself? Uh, is dad subsidizing this business here?
4: I was unaware that I was subsidizing the business until, well. until I got the American Express bill. And I'm like, what's this? What's this $180 from Target? What's that all about? It's like, oh, we had to buy,
1: buy, yes.
4: buy William some t some shirts and uh, some ink pens. I'm like, does he know he needs to sell 200 shirts to 60 classmates to break even <laughs> on merchants, pay his angel investor back? <laughs> no, That's I do to make it. Yeah. Right. I do make my kids do work for me though. I have to, like when I send out books and stuff like that, I make them stuff the envelopes and, and, uh, do your best. Right. It's tough.
0: Paula, it's tough. I totally, I totally imagine you Paula as a, uh, entrepreneurial 10 year old or 12 year old, you were probably making money off all your classmates.
1: No, no, not at all. Uh, so when I was a kid, I re- I loved reading mystery books. So I love the idea of having a detective agency. Me too. I know. I hung a big sign on my door, that the door to my bedroom that was like Paula's detective agency, except then I, I didn't actually have any mysteries to detect. So that didn't really go very far. It was more just a figment of my imagination. So
0: I had the, I don't remember if it was just the Hardy Boys or the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew detective kit, like their book that went through like... Forensic stuff and how to fingerprint, how to look for fingerprints. And I remember going around the house, like looking for fingerprints and trying to figure out where the murder happened. And there was never. Oh
1: any. yeah, yeah, I did the same, and I had a magnifying glass too. So I would like, you know, use the magnifying glass to look at the fibers on the couch really closely. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And
0: and did anybody ever? Nobody ever hired you. What would
1: you have charged if somebody had hired you? Oh, I hadn't really thought about it. I guess I was so excited about the prospect of being able to solve a mystery that I I hadn't even considered what I would charge. I don't think I would have charged anything, to be honest. I think I would have done it for free. It would have been the thrill of the hunt. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
0: I grew up in farm country, and we would go work the um, huge garden behind our house. And we'd sell corn by the road, my brother and I, and my dad would let us keep half the profit. And at that time, th- this is horrible, I feel like Len Penzo. <laughs> Back in the day, we, we, uh, we sold a dozen years of corn for a dollar. A dollar. Wow. It was like giving Ooh. corn away. Now it's like three years. Was it
5: organic, though?
0: It was. Or, of course it was organic. Was it organic? But that was before <laughs> organic, organic was <laughs> cool. organic. It was organic corn. Yes. Yeah, good stuff. Well, tell Harry congratulations uh, on his business and all his financial acumen at 10 years old. (laughs) Thank you. Taking over the virtual world. That's good.
5: Oh, he is. Yeah, he's busy coding. (laughs) He's my kid. What do you want me to say? (laughs) We're also reading a bio on Steve Jobs. He's my son.
0: That's fantastic.
5: He's the best.
0: Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is